Sometimes college changes people for the better, sometimes for the worse. I hope it's been the better for all of you. I hope Chi Alpha has had a positive impact on your life. However, I am convinced that you cannot go to college and come back and be the exact same person. Something that is really strange is when you go off to college and you come back home for the first time. You've been away, you've had new experiences, you've met new friends, and rather quickly you've started becoming a new person. You come home and it's kind of uncomfortable. The people at home are going to notice that you've changed a little bit. For me, I went to college my freshman year at North Central University. That's a Bible college in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I was studying music at this school in downtown. And this school's very hip, and it was like the height of the hipster age. So when I went to North Central, I quickly transformed the way I dressed and started looking like the people around me. If you could show that picture. Oh, is it going to work? That's, that's the picture. I turned blue. <laughs> so when that pops up, we'll see. Now I just feel uncomfortable. But if I turn around, there it is. Yes, those glasses are fake. Yes, it was warm out and there was no need for me to wear a beanie. And yes, that beard took me about four months to grow. Amen. Hallelujah. So that was me at my first fall retreat. You can turn, you can take that off now. <laughs> so while that was me, my friends in high school were the exact opposite of hip. So I wore the tightest jeans they made, and they wore the loosest jeans that were ever made. Like, I was like this, and they were like all the way out here, like, yeehaw, cowboy. That was my friends in high school. They were not fashionable. The first time I went home, I was dressed like that, and I went to watch a football game with my friends. I remember I had skin-tight jeans. I rolled my pants up to like here to show off my cool hipster socks. I wore the fake glasses. I had a beanie on. As soon as I walk into the house, all my friends just start busting out laughing at me. Like, it's not even like, oh, you look, so, I thought they'd be like, wow, you're so cool, you're so hip. And they're like, <laughs> and they start laughing, and it hurt my feelings. They asked me questions like, dude, who are you? What happened? Where's Derek from high school? This is not the real Derek. There's no pizza ranch stains on your shirt. <laughs> Some of their statements were kind of valid, to be honest. I was trying really hard to be cool. But what they did not recognize was that I was slightly different. See, they all stayed in my hometown and went to the community college in town, which is perfectly fine, nothing wrong with that. But I had moved to a big city and I'd experienced some things that are different and that radically changed me. Some of you have had some radical changes this past year. Maybe in high school you didn't really follow Jesus at all, and now he's the most important thing to your life. Maybe you went out and got drunk and partied on the weekends in high school, and now your partying consists of being with a bunch of Jesus people on the weekends, and the only beverage you're drinking is bubbly, as in sparkling water, not the other bubbly. <laughs> if you're getting crazy, you'll have some bubbly bounce and get some caffeine in there. Come on. <laughs> that end of the year party, we're going to bounce all night. Anyways, maybe you never read your Bible growing up, and now you try to do it every single day. Maybe you talked a certain way in high school or when you're home, you cussed up a storm, and now you try to honor the Lord with your language. Many of us may have grown up in some kind of church, and maybe the church you went to is very different than Chi Alpha. Maybe your church, you never raised your hands in worship, it read out of a hymnal, is very traditional, and now you're outward in your worship of Jesus, and you're jumping around and getting a little funky for Jesus. Maybe at home, you didn't go out and party or anything, it wasn't like that, but all you ever did was lay around and play video games all day. You're kind of a sack of potatoes growing up, but now you live a life on mission because God has wrecked you. Maybe your parents, friends, families, maybe they're all in with this new you, maybe they're excited, or maybe not. 
Either way, a lot of you are getting ready to go home for an extended time. It's going to be a new you in the same environment. Same parents, same friends that expect you to be the same you. However, you're anything but. This week we're finishing our sermon series based off the book by Diedrich Bonhoeffer entitled The Cost of Discipleship. This book goes through Jesus' famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and it tells us different things that we need to die to so we can live to something so much greater. Week one we talked about dying to self so we can live to Christ. And then we talked about how we must die to despair so we can live to hope. Last week Pastor John brought a powerful, powerful message on dying to disunity so we can live a life of peace. Tonight we're going to finish our study on the Beatitudes. These are, again, these nine little phrases or statements that Jesus made at the beginning of this sermon where he told us what it looks like to be a follower of God. He tells us to be meek, to be merciful, to be hungry for righteousness. And then we get to our passage tonight, which is in Matthew 5, 10 through 12. It says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I'm going to pray. Jesus, we love you so much, God. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for all the cool things you're doing as we get to thank our seniors and send them out, God. But as we also get to look to the next year of our future officers, God, thank you for what you're doing in our ministry. I pray that you speak through me tonight. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. All right. My main idea tonight is this. Again, if you get one thing, I hope it's this. We must die to comfort so we can live to persecution. We must die to comfort so we can live to persecution. I'm be honest with you. This sounds real intense. This is kind of scary. So if this is your first time, or if, I mean, it could be your hundredth time, it still sounds kind of scary. It's not as intense as it sounds, okay? I'm not about to come and bring a hammer down or anything. I just, I really try to find some other way to say what I'm trying to say, and I couldn't get there. So we, re- we ended on this, and Don't be scared. It's not going to be that crazy. Amen, Craig? Amen. Thank you. (laughs) He's got those cowboy boots on. Let's not be voting for the Jardy or the Western, okay? 80s. I don't even know what the 80s is, but I don't want to wear cowboy boots. Yeehaw. All right, so let's start with this first half and unpack a little bit. So we have to die to comfort. Die to comfort. Our passage tells us that those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake are blessed. Persecution is not something that we think of when we think of a blessing. The definition of persecution is hostility, ill treatment, or persistent annoyance. Yay. That does not sound like a blessing to me. I would say persecution is anything but comfortable. And if I'm honest with myself, a lot of the decisions that I make in life are about doing what it takes to make myself comfortable. See, growing up, we're told you need to get a good job so you can have good pay so you don't have to worry about your finances so you can be comfortable. If you grew up with good parents, they may have said something like this, like, I just want your life to be easier than mine was. I just want to set you up to have a better life than mine was. I want you to be comfortable. Our whole lives can really center around this pursuit of comfort, but Jesus is saying that the uncomfortable are the ones that are blessed. Too often when we get comfortable, we can get satisfied or we can get stagnant. Comfort means you're never on the edge. It means you're always just chilling. Jesus wants us to be in such a pursuit of him that we become a little uncomfortable. He wants us to pursue righteousness or godliness. And as we pursue God, this will inevitably lead to persecution, which is anything but comfortable. See, God knows that his ways are not always comfortable. It is not comfortable to love your enemies, right? 
Jesus says to love and pray for our enemies, and I'd much rather fight and curse my enemies if I'm honest. Jesus says to be generous and feed the poor, and if I'm honest, I'd much rather be greedy and feed myself. That sounds like more fun. But we are called to live a a life that isn't necessarily comfortable or what we want to hear, but it is what's best. So we we like to say around here that God's not dumb. So if God is calling us to live this way, and if God is not dumb and God is smarter than I am, it might just be the best way to live. And this is so important to recognize as we end this school year. For those of you that are freshmen or that are new students, you're getting ready for what will be your first extended break. Your winter break was a little bit long, but this is different. You're going back home into a comfortable environment. However, the uncomfort of going to college and becoming part of Chi Alpha changed you. I hope in a good way. I would say you've probably grown in the uncomfort of life. You're a different person now. You read your Bible. You overcame some sin struggles this year. This uncomfort has led to you becoming more like Jesus. But you're headed right back to what's comfortable. And just being honest, it's easy to fall right into that comfort trap, to do what you used to do, to go back to being your high school or your community college self. If you're not on guard against this, you'll fall right back into who you used to be. You have to be persistent if you want to avoid the comfort track. Even to this day, the comfort of home is really enticing to me. Growing up, I had a pretty chill life. I didn't really face persecution. I kind of just played video games and ate a lot of food. It's not good. On the way home from my high school, okay, I grew up in Iowa, so it's a little up some farms. On the way home, there was this silo that was on a farm. And when I'd pass it, I knew I was a couple minutes away from home. And something about me is growing up, I would usually stop at a gas station on the way home and I would grab a red Gatorade and a pack of mini Oreos to eat like every day. It was not healthy. Lord, you're good. I'd then proceed to take that snack and go home and play video games all night while chowing down. It was very comfortable. So every time I come home and I see that stupid silo, I crave Oreos. I'm like, is that red Gatorade that I taste? <laughs> Taylor makes fun of me for it all the time. And every time I see that silo, I'm like, yes, I got to go sit in my cold basement and not talk to anyone and stare at a screen for the next six hours. It's been six years. This still happens. Literally every time. Taylor's like, you're a husband now. You're a man of God. I'm like, I want to be a man of red Gatorade and Oreos tonight. <laughs> six years later, and I still fall into what's comfortable. I never read my Bible growing up. Here in Cedar Falls, I'll just be real. I don't really struggle to get time with Jesus. I wake up and it's a habit. It's automatically what I do every time I wake up. But when I go home, it just feels like a chore. I wake up and I'm like, I could go downstairs and play video games right now. Or I could read my Bible. But why would I do that? That's not what I do when I'm here. Another example is growing up. So the pastor of our church, his name's Daniel. He's my older brother. And growing up, Daniel, as an older brother, could be somewhat of a, what I'll call a bungalow. Just a little, a little weird. A little annoying once in a while, if I'm honest. But now he's very spiritual. He'll say, hello, I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm disciplined. I am focused. I will grab the music stand with all my might. And when we spend time together, we strategize, we focus on ministry. Him and I are like yelling back and forth, like, we're about to change the world for Jesus. And he's like, come on. And we get pumped up for each other. We talk about Kyle for the church, and we're ready to conquer the world. We challenge each other. We push each other. However, for some reason, when we go back home, he goes right back to being my annoying older brother. 
He just cracks stupid jokes, and he's like, let's wrestle. Let's take our shirts off and grab each other. I'm like, no, that's weird. Why are you being like this? It's so strange. When I'm here, when I see him in Cedar Falls, he's serious. Then we go home, he's like, <laughs> I'm like, who are you? And again, it's because the comfort trap is so enticing. It's a wiring of your brain. So as you get ready to go home, be honest with yourself. Look at what's comfortable. I challenge you to spend some time thinking about what may cause you to slip back into who you used to be. Think about how much you've grown. I hope that you like the new version of yourself if you've been in Kyle for this year. I hope you like the version of you that loves Jesus more. If you do, write down why. Find your why. That's the only way to avoid the comfort trap, to avoid falling back into who you used to be. It's by being so enticed to stay the strong follower of Jesus that you are now that you do not want to go back to who you used to be. Find your why and write it everywhere and get it in your face so when the comfort trap comes, you know to run so you can die to comfort. As you go home, please keep the disciplines that you've learned this year. Spend time with Jesus. Please, for the love of God, please keep your real devotion, which is just spending daily time with Jesus. That will carry you through the summer. You have to be intentional. This is the first thing to go when you go home. It's because here, if you're in a small group, you've got a small group leader who once every week or so asks you, have you been spending your time in the Bible? And you're like, I don't want to tell them no, so I'm going to say yes, so I'm going to do it throughout the week. When you go home, that might not be there. They might not ask you all the time. They're all up in your grill. You do not need a small group leader to have real devotion, though. Get someone to keep you accountable, though. Just because you live far away doesn't mean you can't text each other and ask each other what you've been reading and spending time with the Lord with. Have a plan. Don't just come and I'll read something in the summer. Tell your small group leader exactly how much of the Bible you want to read before you leave for the summer and then keep you accountable to do it throughout. Stay in devotion to Jesus. Number one way to not fall into the comfort trap of high school and of home life is to spend time with King Jesus every day. Also, stay vulnerable. Kai Alpha, we really value being real, being vulnerable. Ooh. Hallelujah. So keep talking to your small group. Your small group's not dead because you're not in Cedar Falls anymore. There's this thing called a phone. You can, like, text each other if you want. You can do, like, a group FaceTime or they bounce around. It's kind of fun. You can still confess your sins to your small group even though it's summer and you're far away. You can keep having real community. For me, when I was in high school, I was not very vulnerable. I never opened up. I never shared anything. My friends and I in high school, the deepest we got was talking about, like, the NFL draft and who we thought was going to get picked first. And that's not a joke. I hated telling people my jokes. So when I went, or my junk. So when I went home, it was so hard to share the deep parts of my life with people. So we have to be persistent about being vulnerable. Make it a point to keep exercising this muscle with your friends, with your small group, with your leaders. Exercise the vulnerability muscle both with Chi Alpha people and with your friends from home. Let them get to know this new you. If you're a new person, you have a wonderful opportunity to show them just what Jesus has done in your life. Finally, a great way to stay uncomfortable is to live a life on mission. First of all, hear me right now. When you go home, get plugged into a church. Watching a church online does not count. Okay? Get plugged into a local church. So somewhere you can go. Because if you're not going somewhere, you can't bring anyone along with you. Invite people to go to church with you. Share your faith with your friends from high school. Most of you will get a job over the summer where you're going to be in a place that's kind of grumpy, right? Part-time jobs, retail jobs are not that fun. But when you're selling ice cream, be the most joyful ice cream salesperson on the planet. But like, there's a helpful cone and every, I'm sorry, that didn't work. Anyways. 
How about we let what God has done in us be done through us when we go home? Maybe God has radically changed your life. Do not rob your high school friends the opportunity just because they don't live in Cedar Falls. You are the Chi Alpha missionary being sent out from you and I to wherever you're going this summer. You are sent. Our group of 100 students is being sent out across the state. Imagine if every one of us actually lived a life on mission. The state would be turned upside down in three months. In order to do this, though, you must make friends with people who do not follow Jesus. You must make friends with people who do not follow Jesus. This does not mean, however, that you should go to parties or go to bars just to tempt yourself. It means be friends with people who don't follow Jesus in healthy environments. Most of you have probably seen some kind of victory in some scenario in your life. A part of not falling into this comfort trap is to not fall back into that sin. This is going to mean doing some practical things. For example, if you've overcome an addiction to pornography, this addiction probably started at your home. And maybe throughout this year, you've had a roommate right here all year. It's kind of hard to watch porn when someone's right next to you. Like when you get a little feeling that you shouldn't have, you look over and they're right on the bunk staring at you. Okay? Makes it a little bit easier to overcome that sin struggle. Amen? But when you go home, you're probably going to have a room by yourself for a lot of you. And so you need to be a little bit smarter because it's going to be, you're going to, that first line of defense is gone. Don't stay up super late. If you struggle with pornography, I challenge you not to sleep with your phone next to your bed because that's probably your number one gateway to falling back into that sin. Keep your door open throughout the night. If you're nervous, your parents might walk in. That's going to help you. And if that doesn't work, here's a real challenge. Sleep in the living room. I know that sounds really awkward. You don't have to tell your parents why. You don't have to say, I don't want to lust, so I'm sleeping on the couch tonight. Just say, yeah, the couch is more comfortable. My back changed in college. I don't care. Okay, don't lie. I probably shouldn't say that. But When you get tempted, text someone. We're still all here. We're still all family. Again, we must work smarter, not harder. If you struggle with alcohol, drugs, or partying growing up, maybe you shouldn't hang out with the friends that you used to do that with late at night on a Friday night. Don't write them out of your life, right? If they don't follow Jesus and they, you partied with them, but now you don't want to, it doesn't mean you say, you're dead to me now. You caused me to sin. Don't do that. But instead of hanging out late at night on a Friday night, maybe get some breakfast. Okay, it's hard to fall into drunkenness at Village Inn. <laughs> I strongly encourage you to not go to parties back home with the thought that you'll be fine. I won't drink and sometimes we even think that maybe I can just be the light to that situation. Especially don't do that if you've struggled with drinking. If you struggle with drinking, do not go to a party where there will be alcohol with the thought that you can convert them. That would be like if you struggled with sexual lust and temptation. And then you saw some freedom. So you said, I'm going to go to a strip club and I'm going to convert the strippers because I've overcome this. And it's been nine months since I lusted and I'm ready to make these strippers find the real Jesus. That ain't going to work. Okay? When we say it like that, we're like, wow, that makes sense. It's the same thing with going to a party. It's probably not wise. Again, work smarter, not harder. You're not any more spiritual if you went through the ringer and still overcame your sin struggles. It doesn't, it's just you sinned or you did not. It's not, I made it really hard and I still didn't sin. Okay, congratulations. Do you want a cookie? No, let's just avoid sin. We have to take the offensive when we go home. If you go into the summer thinking, I'll be fine, I'll keep running after Jesus without taking some practical tips and precautions to help yourself, you are setting yourself up for failure. We have to be on the offense. We have to be in the game. 
doing things to help ourselves. It's easy to fall into comfort because it's comfortable. It's obviously easy by design, right? So we don't want to live a life of falling into this comfort trap. So as we die to comfort, we are also called to live to persecution. Live to persecution. This is just natural. When you go home and you act differently, people will notice. Your parents will probably be the first one to take note. Like, oh, you read your Bible now. You want to go to church. Why aren't you acting like you did when you were in high school? Where's my baby boy or my baby girl? Some of your parents, this is going to be a relief. You're like, my baby boy stunk. This is awesome. Hallelujah. Thank Chi Alpha. They're kind of sick of you, and they're kind of excited for this new you. That'll be some of you. To others, though, this is going to be really challenging for them. They're going to expect you to act the exact same, but you're not the same person. Maybe they'll question you. Maybe you grew up going to a church, but it was very different than Chi Alpha. They're like, oh, you speak in tongues now. You're outward with your faith. And this can be challenging if you were raised a certain way. They might be upset with you. They might want you to go back to normalcy. Here's two tips for this. First of all, don't go back to normal. Show them how much better Jesus' way is, how you are closer to God and how you feel better, how you feel more satisfied with this new relation with the Lord, how God has done a powerful thing in you. Do not sacrifice your new convictions because of pressure from your parents. Still choose Jesus above all else. However, you do not have to be a jerk in this. Don't go home. To your parents, you say, all right, do you have real devotion, real community, and real responsibility? Because if you do not, I'm out of here. All right? If your parents have never read their Bibles, don't start yelling at them that they must develop real devotion. And they must read the Bible four chapters a day, two hours a day with Jesus. Don't do that. Maybe you're here and you have one of our more excited small group leaders. Some of our small group leaders are really chill, right? They're like, they love you. Some of them are not as chill. Some of them are a little more intense. Jacob Enos and John Kruger give us a round of applause. Everyone, amen. Uh, they're both my fault, so anyways. Some of them are a little more intense, right? They get in your face a little bit. They're like, I'm going to teach you how to follow Jesus. Don't do that with your parents. Your parents probably don't want to be discipled by you. How about you leave the conviction to the Holy Spirit and you just pray for them like crazy? And while you're doing that, how, how about you just be an example to them? Instead of telling them how to follow Jesus, show them. Be the best son or daughter they've ever had. Don't fight with them. Instead, serve them. Do more housework. Be more responsible. Be more kind. Be loving to them. Be the best older brother or older sister you could ever be. While at the same time, pursue Jesus in this new way. Your example will be a much better signpost to who Jesus is than anything you ever say will be. And after your parents start to notice this change, your friends will be next. Your friends will want to know, brah, why don't you party anymore? You don't make crude jokes anymore? You want to go to church? You don't want to play video games all day anymore, but you want to spend some time with Jesus? They may even persecute you for this, meaning they might make fun of you. Maybe they'll be mean to you, or maybe they'll stop being your friend because you love Jesus now. But Jesus says that this persecution is a blessing. He says to rejoice and be glad. Because now you get a glimpse of what it looks like to be Jesus. 
This does not mean it'll be easy. Persecution is not easy. It stinks. My encouragement for you is to keep loving them. Don't respond to persecution with rage, anger, or don't try to argue them. Instead, be a light to the people around us. After this talk on persecution, Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine. Love people. Do good works to them. Serve your friends even when they persecute you. Love does not mean that you'll accept every invitation to go and sin with them. It does not mean you'll go back to normal, but it means you're going to invite them to get to know the new you. And this, your friends will probably try to get you to do what you used to do with them. They might ask you to go drink with them, to make crude jokes, to swear, to do drugs. They might be mean. They might try to get you to gossip, to make fun of people. They're going to try to draw you back in because misery loves company. And people feel better if they can get you, the person who supposedly follows Jesus, to sin just like them. It'll make them not feel as bad about what they're doing. In this, stand strong. Love the person without giving in to what they ask of you. You can still love someone without going to a party with them. Even if they make fun of you, if they beg you, they persecute you, avoid temptation. Don't gossip with people. They might try to make you feel like a party pooper. They might call you self-righteous, a Jesus freak. But choose to uphold righteousness while loving them at the same time. It's a strong dichotomy, right? Where we love them like crazy, but we don't do what the world says to do. If we can find that balance, that's when we can pursue Jesus. Again, do not cut them out of your life, but just change the environment of your friendship. If they're not okay with the new circumstances that you want your friendship to be in, then it's on them. Live peaceably with all as it pertains to you. You cannot control what others do. You can only control yourself. Also, have grace for people. It's hard to see someone you love change. Don't be mad at them for being confused or struggling with it. Don't be mad at your parents for not understanding why you're so different now. Be patient. Be graceful. Love people. Don't be mad at them for expecting you to be the same when you left. Why would they not expect that? They weren't here. They didn't go to Kyle the small groups. They didn't listen to sermons every Tuesday night. That's why they don't know what you went through. Be gracious. Be loving. But also be a light. Show off what Jesus has done. This does not mean to be Mr. or Mrs. Spiritual. Don't walk home and say, time to show off my memory verses. I got seven of them. How many you got, mama? Say, I got the Bible in a year plan now. We don't have to be Mr. Mr. Spiritual to our friends and to our family, but it means loving people no matter what they say or do to you. It means having joy. Grumpiness, pessimism, that's comfortable. Joy's not. So when you get to that part-time job again, they're going to start complaining. I know I lived them. People like to get grumpy. All the customers stink. This job stinks. I don't want to be here. Blah, blah, blah. And you just say... I got the joy of the Lord. And you act like you have the joy of the Lord. Don't say, I'm joyful, then scream at a customer, right? That's, that's not good. Something else to note, if you look around and when you've gone home, you notice that your friends and family aren't noticing any difference in you and not, they don't seem any different to you. If everything seems normal. It might be good to evaluate because maybe you have fallen back into that comfort trap. Not saying you did, but it's something to evaluate. Don't beat yourself up in this situation, but just start again. See, there's a good chance, hear me on this, over the summer, there's a really good chance that you're going to have some moments where you fall back a little bit. You might give back into a sin that you've really tried hard to overcome this year. You might miss a day, a week, a month of spending time with Jesus. 
In those moments, remember the verse Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. God's not mad at you if you don't spend time with him. He just wants you to come back home. So if you miss three weeks of Bible reading, don't think, I've screwed up too much. God's sick of me. He doesn't want me to spend time with him. No, he just sitting there like, come home. So when summer comes and things don't go perfectly the way you want them to, remember that God loves you. There's no condemnation. But he doesn't want us to stay that way. He wants us to change. Don't feel shame. Just get up and start again. If I'm honest with you guys, like I've kind of alluded to, I haven't faced a whole lot of persecution in my life. My life's been relatively easy, but my persecution hasn't looked like getting beaten up or like getting hit with a rod for my faith, but my persecution has looked like awkward moments. For example, just being real, my family and I watched some naughty movies growing up. I think I watched the movie Wedding Crashers at the age of nine, which is not good. Ooh, I, was, I guess that might be too old a movie. Maybe you guys don't know that's a bad movie. Don't watch it. And then when I'd go home, remember my family would try to watch the movies that probably weren't the most appropriate, and I didn't want to, and I'd be like, I'm not going to watch that. And they wouldn't get mad at me, right? That's like, if you have a loving family, they're not going to get mad at you for trying to be more holy, but it just feels kind of uncomfortable. It's like you're raining on the fun parade. It's kind of weird to be like, hey guys, so I love Jesus more, so can we like turn this movie off and maybe watch some Nickelodeon or VeggieTales? Like, that's a little awkward, right? No one wants to be the party pooper. Maybe with my friends. I'll be honest with you. My friends and I, we made fun of people a lot growing up. And then after starting to run after Jesus, I didn't want to join in anymore. I realized that this wasn't holy. But it made situations awkward when they're like, so-and-so stinks. They're so smelly or stupid. And they're just mocking people. And I'm just sitting there like, hello. This is nice. All right? It's awkward. And I'll be honest. I was far from perfect in these moments of persecution. Many times in the face of these awkward moments, I'd fall back into what's comfortable. See, I'd make fun of people, I'd make crude jokes. And then one time, a friend from high school, he's like, so Derek, you say you love Jesus so much, but why don't you act any differently? (sighs) That made me evaluate things. And I realized something, that I'm I'm a people pleaser, that's something about me. And see, I didn't want to make situations uncomfortable. I didn't want to offend them. So I thought what would be more loving to them is not to make them feel uncomfortable and, and to just sin with them so then they don't feel left out or feel bad. So I thought that was more loving because I was making them feel less, or making them feel comfortable. However, that was the opposite of loving because I gave him a distorted view of who Jesus was. The person that he knows that's closest to Jesus, he views as a hypocrite because I was too scared to stand up for what wasn't comfortable. This guy still doesn't follow Jesus, and I take partial blame for that because I had an opportunity to be uncomfortable in a comfortable situation, and I chose not to do it because I was scared of what people would think. I know this is hard. Persecution is not fun, right? No one likes being made fun of. No one wants to lose friends. No one wants to upset their parents. No one said following Jesus would be easy. So I do understand that it's hard, that it's hard to say no to comfort, to be your new self in an old environment. But in these moments when it's hard, I want us to remember the Apostle Paul who wrote the most of the New Testament, the greatest missionary to ever live. This is what he said in 2 Corinthians 11. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. 
Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city and in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and toil and hardship through many a sleepless nights and hunger and thirst without food and cold and exposure. So until we receive the rod and shipwreck, we can take heart. It could be much worse. I don't say this to shame you. I don't say this to say that it's bad for you to feel sad or uncomfortable when someone kind of mocks you or when you feel uncomfortable, awkward. I say this to give us perspective, that when things get hard, we're in good company. The greatest missionary to ever live was beaten and killed for his faith. Jesus, the God of the universe, was killed for who he was. We are in good company when we're facing persecution. Jesus calls us to live to persecution. He does not do this because persecution is good and fun. Jesus doesn't like us to be in pain. That's not what it's about. But rather, Jesus was smart. Jesus knew that the way of living, living like God, would make people uncomfortable. He knew that when we lived in a way that was drastically different than the rest of the world, it would be uncomfortable for them. And he knows that when people are uncomfortable, when they feel bad about themselves, when they're living a life where their main pursuit is their own happiness and their own satisfaction and doing what's fun, and they look at someone else whose main pursuit is other people's satisfaction and godliness, when they see that, he knew that those people who are pursuing the world and themselves would get upset and would persecute them because they feel bad about themselves. They're lashing out on other people for being holier than they are. God's not dumb. He knew that persecution would come when we're on the right track. He knew that godliness would lead to persecution. So that's why he says, blessed are the persecuted, because when we're being persecuted, for Jesus' sake, we can know that we are going the right way because we're in good company like Jesus, and we're making people uncomfortable because the way of the world is uncomfortable. The way of Jesus should make that feel uncomfortable. So when Jesus says that we're being ble- or blessed are the persecuted, he's not saying persecution in itself is fun or what is best, but what he's saying we're probably doing something right. And when this happens, don't quit. When people start to push against you, keep going, keep pursuing Jesus, because then you can be a light to them and hopefully point the people you're persecuting or that are persecuting you to Jesus. We must remember that we have to die to comfort so we can live to persecution. We must die to comfort to live to persecution, meaning we can't fall into the comfort trap when we go home. Maybe you're here and you are getting ready to go back to your comfort zone. My challenge to you is to die to that. Be smart about not falling into the life of your home life. See, breaks are challenging. You have to be intentional if you want to succeed. Spend time with Jesus. Read some Jesus books. Read some old dead guys and gals. You need a list, I've got one. Be friends with other Jesus people. Be friends with other non-Jesus people. Be vulnerable. Don't take a break from the mission of God because you aren't on campus. More people than students at the University of Northern Iowa need to know about King Jesus. Or maybe you're here, and this isn't your first break. You've had some breaks before. And if you're honest with yourself, they've stunk. When you go home, you fall back into what's comfortable. You fall back into your old self. You can make this break different. I know how you feel. I did it time and time again. However, we have the power to make this break better. So just because every other break you've went on has led to you falling farther away from Jesus does not mean that you have to fall farther from Jesus this break. You are not destined to fail. You can have a healthy break because we serve a God of second and third and fourth and 300th chances. We serve the God of redemption. 
So we can have a good break if we go on the offensive. We can't just say, I hope I have a better break and not change anything about our actions and expect things to get better. We have to change our actions if we want a different solution and a different reaction, right? For the others of you, though, maybe instead of leaving the uncomfortable Chi Alpha to go back to the comfortable home life, maybe you've been in Chi Alpha for a while. Maybe no longer are you just in Chi Alpha, but Chi Alpha is in you. Maybe Chi Alpha is what is comfortable for you. And you're getting ready to leave us. You're being sent out. And maybe because Chi Alpha has become so comfortable to you, you're scared of this transition. Maybe you're worried that when you leave this environment, when you leave Chi Alpha, you won't pursue Jesus in the same way as you have the last four years of your life. In this season of uncomfortability, as you leave the comfort of Chi Alpha, you must remember that God has called you for such a time as this. That God has equipped you for such a time as this. For those of you that are graduating or getting married or transferring and leaving, you can keep pursuing Jesus even outside of Lang Auditorium. I love Chi Alpha. I love Chi Alpha so much. It's my entire life. However, you do not need Chi Alpha to follow Jesus. You do not need a small group leader to have real devotion. You do not need a Chi Alpha small group to have real community. You do not need a Tuesday night event to invite people to to have real responsibility. All you need is Jesus. I love this community. I love this family. With everything in my being, but you don't need us. Because God is way better than we are. If you pursue Jesus, and if you pursue the three pillars that we've taught you here in Chi Alpha, if you will make those three things a part of your life, outside of the Chi Alpha atmosphere, you can still have the Chi Alpha DNA inside of you. If you spend time with Jesus every single day, if you create a community where you can be real, authentic, and vulnerable, and if you find, feed, and fight for the lost lambs of God, whether they're on campus or off campus, you will be okay. You will be uncomfortable. That's the way it goes because you've been in this environment for so long. It will be uncomfortable, but in uncomfort, in the tense moments of life, that's when God shapes us to become the men and women that he's called us to be. That's where Jesus wants you. Jesus does not want you to be in the comfort zone for too long because then we'll get stale. God wants you to leave the comfort zone, and as you are sent out from Chi Alpha, you are going to bring Chi Alpha with you wherever you go, and you will make disciples who make disciples live a life of real devotion, real community, and real responsibility wherever you go. My prayer for you is that when you go to this new environment, that you won't blend right in. I want you to have friends. I want you to find community, but I don't want you to blend in. My prayer is that while you find a new community, you find a new family, my prayer is that you bring Chi Alpha with you. My prayer is that you bring what you've learned here with you wherever you go. My prayer for those of you that are graduating and leaving us is that you do not fall into American Christianity of going to church on Sundays to fulfill religious obligation. My prayer is that you run after King Jesus. My prayer is that you make disciples. My prayer is that you make disciples who in turn make disciples. 
My prayer for those of you that are leaving is that you make disciples who make disciples who live a life of real devotion, real community, and real responsibility. If you all stand with me. So why should we run after Jesus? We run after Jesus because of what he did for us. I know many of you have been in Kyle. You've heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus. But I think sometimes we become desensitized to the gospel. We forget the reason we do any of this, that we do this not because of a show or because of a college ministry. We do this because the God of the universe loved us so much to see us in the pit with the pigs and say, I'm going to go and be with you. I'm going to drag you out and I'm going to take you away from your own sin, your own filth. And I'm going to fill the gap between me and you because I love you. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were screwing up in the middle of our sins, the God of the universe cared so much about us that he said, that will not do, that I'm going to love you in the midst of your filth and I'm going to make a way for you to come home because I love you. Because Jesus loves you. And that's why we do what we do. We all have an opportunity. We are all headed into a new season. Maybe for, for you, this is your first break ever. Maybe getting ready to become a small group leader here in Kyle. Maybe you're getting married. Maybe this is your third break, but the first two stunk. Maybe you're leaving Kyle for you and I forever. I'm going to miss you very, very much. So as we go into this new season and have this new opportunity, we can choose to fall into what's comfortable. We can choose to do what's easy to avoid persecution. See, when persecution comes, we're going to have either two choices. We can either succumb to it or we can push past it. We can pursue Jesus more. We can use it as an opportunity to show the world who Jesus is. And I pray that we do this. So at the very end of this sermon that Jesus gave, the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says something profound. He's telling his disciples how they can enter into the kingdom of God, how they can spend eternity with Jesus. And he says this in Matthew 7, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who entered are many. Listen to this, Kyle. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. I pray that we enter the narrow gate. That we are the few. That we can die to what is comfortable to find the ultimate comfort, which is life with Jesus forever. I pray that we have life with Jesus in Cedar Falls, in your hometown, in your new career, in grad school, in marriage, in parenting, and in life. I pray that we have a life with Jesus. My prayer for Kyle, for you and I, is that the closest you are to Jesus is certainly not right now. I pray that Chi Alpha is just a starting point to launch you off into the rest of your life of living a life pursuing Jesus. I pray that you, we learn to die what is comfortable so that we can live to persecution. In doing so, we will find life. this, if you're with us tonight, and if you're honest with yourself, and you think you do not have a relationship with Jesus, and you've been doing life all about what's comfortable, never about what's uncomfortable, and you want to change that, I want to give you an opportunity to change that right now. So everyone will close their eyes and bow their heads. If you're being honest with yourself, and you want to change your life now, and you want to give it to Jesus, and you want to follow him, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, just as a signal to God that's saying you're all in. One, two, see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. 
Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, we love you so much. Jesus, I thank you that you've called us to live a life with you. God, I thank you that you paid the penalty for our sins and made it so we can have a connection to our Father in heaven. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. My second question for us tonight is if you're honest, you're a little nervous about break. You're not sure what it's going to look like. Maybe you've never had a break or maybe you've never had a good break. Maybe this is the big break. If you're a little nervous, I'd like you to put your hands just like this. Just put them out right here. If you just want to have a healthy break, I want you to put your hands like this. And I'm going to pray over us. And as we pray, I just want us to accept what God's going to do to us. This is a way of saying, Father in heaven, come invade my life. Jesus, we love you so much. Jesus, we love you so much. Jesus, I just pray over every student in this auditorium, God, that their break is going to be an opportunity for them to encounter you every single day, God. I pray for the students. This is their first break. I pray that they set the foundation for every break to come after this, that in, when the breaks come, they get so hungry for you that they grow closer to you, God. I pray for the students who have not had a good break before, God. I pray that they change their future. They change their trajectory and they run after you, Jesus. And I pray for the students that are leaving us, God. I pray that the closest they ever are to you is not right now. We love you so much, Jesus.